Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Dave Crouch, and this is Policy Talks, brought to you each month by our Chamber of Commerce here in Williamson County, affectionately known as Williamson, Inc. And uh, we are happy to have you with us here at Columbia State this morning. We've got a bright-eyed crowd uh, in the community room here, and uh, just appreciate Columbia State's uh, hospitality having us here and, uh, and actually having the coffee ready for us this morning. So, Dr. Lampley, we appreciate that. The, uh, uh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, how much we appreciate Creed Henderson and his crew from WCTV making us look good on uh, Channel 3 Cable, Channel 3, and, uh, and Tom Lawrence over at WAKM uh, feeding us through uh, live on WAKM at the same time. So uh, if you've got any friends and you want to text them that you're on TV this morning, uh, let them know. Our, uh, our panelists this morning, we uh, have invited all of the newly elected aldermen from the city of Franklin uh, that were elected on Tuesday to be with us. Uh, Matt Brown uh, could hardly talk Wednesday when I saw him. He's um, pretty sick, and he begged off, said he needed just take a couple of days to go to the lake. We understand that. But uh, this morning we have with us Gabrielle Hanson. Did I pronounce that right, Gabrielle? We got Jason Potts and Patrick Baggett, uh, all newly elected and will be sworn in, I believe, November 9th. Is that correct? Uh, and we've also invited uh, the retiring aldermen that uh, uh, can pretty much say whatever they want to now uh, <laughs> without fear of uh, election repercussions. Uh, Ms. Martin <laughs> Miss Margaret and uh, oh, Martin, I drew a blank there for a minute, pardon me, and, and Scott Speedy. And uh, we're, we appreciate y'all coming to. Uh, now, Margaret, I think you were a school teacher at one time, is that right? Johnson Elementary, if my memory serves. So what we're going to do this morning um, when we get started is uh, talk to these uh, rookies. And I want you to give them a letter grade after we... Uh, kind of pick their brains a little bit, and, uh, <laughs> and then we'll let you and Scott uh, uh, give any observations that you might have or any advice you might want to after that. Um, as many of you know, we had a little bit of a glitch uh, with our election results Tuesday night, uh, and uh, as it turns out, it didn't amount to much, it didn't seem like, but uh, it caused the, uh, our election commission to... Uh, uh, do a hand recount just to make sure everything was uh, exactly the way it should be. And I asked Chad Gray and uh, his uh, chairman, uh, Bob Brown, to be with us this morning and give us a quick recap of, of kind of what happened and, um, and if you know uh, why it happened. And uh, tell us kind of what you... Uh, stand up here and let's get a good look at you here. Chad, um, good morning. How are you this morning? We're hanging in there. We uh, we got through Tuesday and we got through Wednesday and it's Friday. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have you got all the equipment and everything stored away? And so you we, can actually have a weekend. We do. We we got all of our voting equipment back to its secure storage areas. Uh, actually, uh, it was a uh, early Thursday morning uh, and. Uh, Actually, some of it was taken on Wednesday night, but uh, we've got it all stored, uh, and we're we're going to proceed to certification, which will occur next in the next couple of weeks. Okay, good. Now, Bob, you're the chairman of the election commission, is that right? Yes, sir. And you were uh, very much in charge Wednesday when the recount was going on. Oh, Chad's in charge. I, I do whatever he tells me to. I think it's the other way around, if I could tell from the from the interactions there Wednesday, but uh, Chad, am I right? And uh, the- uh, It's a symbiotic race. <laughs> <laughs> Explain as well as you can at this point why we had to have a recount to begin with and, and so forth. Well, let me just say, um, first of all, that the system worked. Um, when you, what you, most people don't know behind the scenes is that election systems have lots of controls and we have controls over how many ballots we're supposed to have and how many votes are cast. 
So those are, there are many controls so that, um, for instance, when you go in to register and show your ID, you're recorded in our registration system. And we know how many people have come in and registered to vote. And there better be the very same number of ballots that are cast, right? The actual tabulators have counters on them. That's another control. So we know how many ballots have gone through the tabulator because it's got like an odometer report. So that's another control we have. So you better have enough, as many ballots to count as the tabulators say went through it. And another control is there's a computer disk, a flash drive that's in those tabulators that are brought hand carried to the election commission office that evening. Before those come, the officer at the polls print out a paper tape result. Well, the paper tape result better match the computer numbers. That's where we had an error. We had six tabulators that the paper tapes did not agree with the flashcard numbers. So that control told us we had a problem. The next step in the process is we call the state. <laughs> and Trey Hargett and Mark Goins, they said, your election is not complete because you can't, you can't do that control. So you need to do a hand count. And so that's what we did Wednesday. And my, our theory was, from what we've heard from Dominion, it's not a final report, but there was a computer glitch in the, just the paper tape portion of the tabulator that did not, so the votes were in that flash drive, but they were in a different category. We gotta get to the bottom of all that, and we will. Did it have anything, this is the first election where we could go to any polling place that we wanted to, no matter which ward we actually lived in. Did that have anything to do with the, the complications there? Yeah, so that's vote centers. We went to vote centers, Chad, we've had how many elections with vote centers? Four? So we've had four elections now, oh, five? Okay, we had the Nolensville as well. So it's the first Franklin City election with, with vote centers. So you're right as well. <laughs> but we had vote centers in November. And what vote centers, you know, we have early vote. We've had early vote now for 20 years. And when we have the satellite set up for early voting, you can go to any satellite in the county and vote. So the same concept now and the same systems used for early vote is now used on election day for vote center. So you can go to any vote center and vote. And so we, uh, Rutherford County was the pilot test for that uh, three years ago, four years ago. And they opened it up after they had such success with it. And Williamson County said, we'd like to do it as well. So now there's five counties in the state that are doing vote centers. It's still under that pilot program and we think it's very successful. So if you live in Spring Hill, work in Brentwood, on election day, you can vote in Brentwood if you want. So we were having, one of the difficulties was people get so used to going to their early vote satellite location, let's say it was the Brentwood Library. And on election day, you go, oh, I can go to the Brentwood Library. Well, under the old system, you show up at Brentwood Library at 6.55 and they go, no, you've got to go to Spring Hill. And they're like, they throw their hands up and don't say very nice things about us. So vote centers eliminate that and add convenience to uh, the votes. And we, we, think the, we think the voters really like it. Yeah, we do. Well, thank you for that explanation. Chad, now how long have you been doing this? Well, I've, I've worked for the Election Commission 21 years, and I was appointed the Administrator of Elections in July of 2015. And this is the first time you've had anything quite like that happen, I, I understand. That is correct. Uh, of course, we didn't have hand-marked, or not hand-marked, but we did not have paper ballot records of our votes, you know, in the old days when I started at the Election Commission. But we do now, and that was sort of the silver lining to this. We could... We could do everything, we, we could count everything by hand and ensure the, the vote totals were accurate. In the interest of time, I'm not going to get into the actual way the hand count worked, but I was there Wednesday. It was very impressive, the controls you had, and, 
and uh, and of course I think the confidence in the election was 100% after y'all got through it appeared so anyway appreciate y'all being here this morning and uh, it, uh, probably you'll have some questions afterwards so stick around if you can okay thank, thank you, you Mr. Bob thank you thank you uh, full disclosure uh, I was involved in Jason Potts' election, and uh, and coincidentally also in Scott's election four years ago. So Jason will get the hardest questions first this morning, just like the coach's son. And uh, uh, I just wanted to let him know that and uh, let the, let the audience know that. But uh, uh, no pressure there, Jason. But uh, the uh, and we will try to leave time for some questions afterward if, if we can. First of all, um, Jason, give us a little bit of, of bio on you. Uh, you've been involved in uh, a lot of organizations in the city. And uh, tell us a little bit about your history here in Franklin, where you're from originally, how you came to Franklin, and two minutes or less. All right. I think now that we're post-campaign, I can probably do it in shorter than that. Uh, first, thanks everybody for being here this morning and all those that are watching online or will be watching in the future. Um, so uh, again, I'm, I'm Jason Potts. Um, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I actually moved here to Middle Tennessee uh, in 1992 to go to Murfreesboro uh, and attend MTSU. And from there spent... Um, Gosh, I guess all the way up until about 2000 here in the Middle Tennessee area. So it's, it's been a lot of time here. My wife and I, we've actually been married for 20 years, and 16 of the 20, we've actually been here in Franklin. And so um, I really am very well-versed well and have deep roots here in the area. My, uh, my time here has... Uh, uh, professionally been with HCA uh, here most recently, worked for a division called Paraline and uh, helped to lead a couple of departments there. Um, but here in the area, in the 16 years that we've been here, I've been heavily involved in uh, uh, soccer here in the area with Williamson County Soccer, I've been involved with uh, several local organizations, but I guess the big one that kind of got me started wanting to give back to our community was uh, being the president for the Maplewood HOA and served on all the committees there, you know, being involved, but then served two terms as president. And that's really where I got to uh, spend other time with other HOA presidents, got to spend more time, you know, meeting with Arboma. And uh, that's, that's really where I saw I've got a gift. You know, God's given me a lot of skills, and I want to give them back that way. And in, in alignment with that, during that time, we actually came across an opportunity. A development was coming in. We didn't think it was the right place. Uh, at the right time, and so uh, a couple of the HOA presidents uh, gathered together, and as a result of that, we started a group called the Franklin Alliance of Homeowners Associations for Ward 3, and at the time, it was just a handful of us. Now it's grown from uh, all the way up to 16, about to be 18 as well officially, and it's a great tool in which to keep everybody well informed, and so that's, all, that's really, and that's also, um, I invited Scott and uh, several other elected officials uh, to our meetings. And uh, it's really been a great conduit for us to communicate. And so uh, that's just where I am, a little background on me, and the opportunity to, for me to continue to give back is, is really just, um, there's a passion there. Uh, and it's, it's just simply me trying to show, as I like to say, show my kids, you know, God gives you certain skills, you need to use them. Now, your interest in politics, as I understand it, goes back to an Eagle Scout uh, project where you uh, shadowed a Memphis city councilman for a day, went to a council meeting, um, and I think met the mayor. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's kind of the defining moment where you started heading in this direction? I definitely say that was one of the bigger seeds that was planted. Uh, that day was an Eagle Scout recognition for the entire city, and all the Eagle Scouts were assigned one mentor. I just happened to get this uh, particular city councilman, spend the entire day with him, and it was great because uh, at lunch we go and we meet the mayor, I get the key to the city. 
And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know, this is what these guys do. This is, you know, but it was the pomp and circumstance side of, but that night going to the meeting is really where I saw the impact that they had. But my, my other part of, I actually had the privilege of working for the White House and uh, working with the press office. So that's really another area that had a big impact. Great. Mm -hmm. Gabrielle, same questions for you. Uh, you're in the South. We like to know where you were born and raised, as we say it, and uh, what brought you to Franklin and, and how long you've been here. All righty. I moved here in June of 2012 from Chicago. I grew up in, my dad worked for Marriott. I was an only child, so it was almost like being in the military. Every three or four years, we pulled up roots and moved. I was born in New Mexico. We lived in Arizona, Colorado, uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama during Bear Bryant's days, and then a lot of years in Texas before I moved to Chicago on a one-year plan and ended up staying for a while and got married, had a child, and realized that it was godless it was corrupt, it was expensive, and I had to get my, my daughter out of there. So that's when I came to Franklin, Tennessee. I felt like it was a God-led moment, and I was so appreciative and wanted to do a deep dive into my community and find out why was this place so special, why did it work so well, and immediately started attending housing meetings because I'm a realtor by trade. I'm the owner of Williamson Real Estate and began to go to random BOMA meetings, the Envision Franklin meetings, finding out more about my community and just fell in love with it. And that led to Franklin Citizens Government Academy because I wanted to know about every department and especially how my sewer and wastewater worked. That was really interesting. Everybody should do that. It's, it really makes you think. Uh, so then it just led to wanting to serve my community, joined Sister Cities International, a couple of years ago and decided to run for alderman when we lost Pearl Bransford last fall. It's really important to me to make sure that this community stays the Franklin that we all know and love. It's an incredibly special place and, and we're very fortunate to live here. Cool, very good. Patrick, same question. Well, I grew up in uh, Decatur, Alabama and my wife Amy and our three girls live uh, in, down, in the downtown area. Uh, met my wife, though. She grew up here in Franklin uh, and lived in a few different locations throughout town. But um, we met at school down in, in Birmingham at Sanford. And about um, 11 and a half years ago, we moved back. A month after the flood, actually, uh, we moved back to Franklin. And I took a job at Full Service Insurance. And uh, now I'm uh, currently work for uh, our own agency um, uh, with my partner, and we, um, yeah, we, I'm involved in a, a variety of different things in the community, um, Franklin in Rotary, uh, Franklin Tomorrow, um, Franklin's Charge, um, I love supporting Grace Works and, and serving when I can there, and then um, our church, Christ Community. So I think I hit the bio portion of your question, but I'm well, there's part two. Well, I first became aware of Patrick Baggett, um, I don't know, two, three, four years ago. And um, you were heavily um, involved in, in researching the flooding issues in Franklin. And I wondered if that was the, the kind of magnet that drew you into city government and, and how things work here. Did that have something to do with it? Uh, that Kind of, but no, I've, I've always somewhat been interested in, in, in the periphery of city government. I mean, with all the nonprofits and stuff, there's always some, you know, there has always been some sort of, you know, integration with city government uh, in my background. So I grew up, my grandfather was a city councilman in Decatur, Alabama. Okay. And, and then some other things, too. And I saw, um, you know, leaders in my community who sacrificed and gave back and um, I saw the fruits of their work um, not just um, you know the people who served and, and I saw how rewarding it was and um, yeah I wanted to to be a part okay Mr. Potts um, we've got about six um, topics that I'd like to cover I can tell we're going to get to about one maybe two of them but um, 
the catchphrase that, that I think almost all of you used in, in the race is smart growth. And everybody likes to use that when they're running for office. Uh, it, I don't know if it makes you sound smart or what, what it is. But that implies that maybe you think some of our growth wasn't so smart. Uh, so what does smart growth mean to you, Jason? And if there is some growth that uh, you think wasn't so smart, what would that be? Great question. Uh, I will say that the growth that we have had here in the area, I think, has been uh, smart growth. So hats off to our, our, our attendees here that are on the other end of the table. Um, I, I think the smart growth right now, by definition, what we're looking at as we move into this next chapter for the city of Franklin is taking into consideration uh, the population explosion that's taking place in, uh, in the Middle Tennessee area. And how do we help to meet that need while still preserving and protecting what Franklin is right now? There has been that focus, and there needs to be an even greater focus on that right now. We have a lot of growth in Ward 3, and uh, Envision Franklin provides a, a, a great guideline for what that growth could potentially look like. So we've got to continue to look at what that plan was. And, and is, and how do we continue to develop that? So is, that's, there, that's, is there something wrong with it now? Um, I don't want to say that there's something wrong, but the variables continue to change. More and more people are moving here into the area. When we started this, and I went through the Franklin Citizens Government Academy in 2015, we had approximately 60,000 uh, residents here. And as we looked at this, we were 48 square miles. As the smart growth continued, and we looked all the way up to 2030, we were annexing an additional 38 square miles and almost doubling our population to 125,000. Mm -hmm. So you have to adjust the plans as that's taking place. That's that smart growth aspect. Okay. Gabrielle, you, uh, in your earlier answer, implied that you really like Franklin the way it is. Uh, is there anything about it you'd change? Well, I, I think everybody that moves here gets this, okay, I'm here, stop growing, stop adding. We, we've all been there, every one of us, I guarantee you, because mm -hmm. it's just that amazing. And then the terror sets in of, oh, they're going to ruin it, we're going to add more homes, more traffic. I think that our planners and our city council and aldermen did a great job with what they had to work with at the time. I don't think any of them ever knew that we were going to have this meteoric rise in popularity. So it's really hard to plan knowing how popular you're going to, to be and how many people want to live here. So I think they did an excellent job at the time. Um, a development I don't love is Iron Horse. I, just, I was just kind of saddened to see that entry point with a whole bunch of apartments. And, I'm a realtor by trade, so I, I love housing, but I'm also, I don't call it smart growth, I call it cautious growth. Um, do we have the infrastructure? Do we have the money? Do we have the roadways? Do we have the schools? Do we have the fire departments that we're going to need? Is it going to tax us financially to do this? Is there going to be issues with this floodplain if we add more housing? Are we staying true to the characteristics and, and landscape that we're working within, is it encroaching on too much on nature? I'm also a volunteer with the Land Trust, so I do love preservation efforts, but I do believe in growth. If you're not growing, you're dying. So you do have to balance it out. You just have to really think about what you're doing and not just jump right in and say, okay, we need a thousand more houses. The answer is yes and rubber stamp it. Okay, Patrick? What, uh, what does smart growth mean to you, and uh, how, do you, how would you tweak what we're doing? Yeah, I think smart, we, you're right, it was used all the time <laughs> during the campaign. Um, and so I try to use some different words, some different adjectives to describe what we were. Is that right? Is my teacher here, is, is it an adjective? <laughs> um, 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 but smart, intentional is something I would I use because when you think about like someone who is intentional, thoughtful, you know, it like evokes caring, 
And I think that's really, I mean, smart seems very heady, like we're going to be technical in our approach. But I think where we are at is it needs to be intentional, thoughtful, the right place, the right time, the right aesthetic. It brings in the aesthetic, which is important to me, being living in downtown and living in a home built in 1907. You know, I, the aesthetic and the feel is important. And so is it, it's not just the quantity, although density and that kind of thing is, is very important, but it's also the quality and the look and the feel. And are we creating places that we will, we will our, our kids and our grandkids will come back and want to preserve and want to, to be in? I mean, that, that to me is kind of where we're at. I call it the dessert phase. Um, of our of our of our of our city, we've had a really wonderful four course meal, and now we get the dessert phase, and we get to choose what dessert we want. And sometimes we choose we want this dessert, and sometimes we say no to dessert. Although I should do that more, I don't do it uh, enough. But um, but sometimes there's a wonderful piece of dessert that comes out, and you just indulge. You know, it's just it's the perfect place, the perfect time, um, and so that's kind of where we are. I mean, I would echo the Iron Tribe, and no, you know, I think that there were things about that that were difficult. Is that still in Iron uh, Tribe? Um, Iron Horse. I do like Iron. Sorry to the Iron Horse. Let, let, let me insert here just a minute. If, yeah. if it's a project that hasn't been approved yet, we probably don't need to really talk about it. Uh, sure. Because of our sunshine laws in Tennessee. So, and I meant to mention that earlier, but um, so. If, if there's a project that's actually in negotiations now, let's kind of don't mention the name. But So far, so good there. So, far, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, you know, a lot of my constituents have said they want to make sure that we protect inside my catcher from, from you know, overdevelopment and, and be really, really intentional inside the my catcher corridor, especially with the multifamily. Yep. And so um, that would be something that uh, I would think would be smart as well. Great. Uh, traffic is, and Emily Wright uh, is in our audience this morning, so Emily, we might let you give them a letter grade too after, uh, they've given you a letter grade already, I think it's A, but uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you have a little input here in, in a few minutes too. But The uh, traffic though is uh, the one I hear, the, the issue that I hear the most about, and uh, it uh, it's a concern. Uh, very difficult to uh, actually pin down a solution. But uh, Gabrielle, you have uh, you've lived a lot of places and probably seen traffic problems in other places. Um, what's your solution to the um, quality of life issue that traffic presents here in Franklin? So it was easy to complain. Um, I call it the going to town effect. When, when you live in Chicago, you can walk a couple of blocks, pick up your groceries, walk home. You do get a little bit spoiled. Then you move here, and I live in West Haven, so it's about 15, 20 minutes into town. So the term going to town really set in my head. It's like, I'm driving. I don't want to drive that far because there was traffic. But on the flip side, it's worth it because what you get to is fantastic. And then COVID set in, and there was no traffic. And it was very disheartening to not see anybody out on the roads. And I actually welcomed the rush hour. I actually welcomed the delays. Again, it feels really good. And we do have a problem, but we are working on it. And I know people tend to point the finger, well, it's your alderman's problem. It's the city's problem. But they don't realize where the money and approval comes from, and it comes from the state 99% of the time. And they don't pay for things that they can't afford. So if they don't have the cash, it's not on their plans, then it doesn't get built. It might seem easy to, well, we can't just run the Mac Hatcher through another tenth of a mile. It's nothing. Well, that's a 10-year plan. So it's not as easy as you think. It's not that they're not thinking about it. It's not that they're not doing something about it. It just takes time, and Tennessee and Franklin are very wise with our money, so we don't just throw roads together for the sake of throwing roads together. And Miss Margaret told me some wonderful stories, along with Bob, about his planning and where some roads were supposed to go and ended up not going, that now that you look back, 
it would have made sense that those roads went where they had originally planned. So things do change, but honestly, I welcome the traffic. And compared to some other cities, it's not that bad. And I know it's frustrating for us because we feel like we're in a small town. It should be five to ten minutes from side to side, and it's just not. But I think that just shows our, our prosperity and our productivity to see all this wonderful traffic. So, Patrick, do you like traffic? <laughs> um, I think I would, echo, I would, I would uh, have a little different opinion. I, I don't love traffic, um, but uh, it is a, a, as Gabrielle said, it is a natural pro, you know, product of this wonderful place. And so we do have some tools that we can deploy to, to address that, though, as a city, specifically um, the, the, one of the first areas I'd like to focus on, if I can convince, you know, seven others to, uh, to get on board is, is to really look at our downtown area. And I think it's going to be, um, you know, our, I called it the four corners with this, the third church, Lewisburg and margin where there always seems to be, you know, a traffic situation. And, um, I'm hopeful for Matt Catcher, the new extension to, to relieve a lot of that. Um, and want to make sure we can measure that and um, look at actual numbers. But yes, I mean, you know, this is where the development question and the traffic question kind of go in hand, hand in hand, because most of the people that live here now have, have moved here, and, and, and most people didn't grow up here, right? And so the door was open to them. So they're not really upset about the people and people living here with them because they, too, moved here. I'm glad the door wasn't shut on me. Um, but it's the traffic that kind of st that stems from that growth. So I think these two issues are, are hand in hand. You know, so if we can better solve the traffic issue, uh, additionally help in some of our key pinch point areas, uh, which I think we're on the road to doing with our capital investment plan. Um, you know, and, and maybe there could be some more money if there's ever an infrastructure bill that is passed at the federal level. Maybe there's some things that could speed up some things uh, here. So there's lots of lots of what ifs. But uh, I definitely would uh, want to continue what they've the, the board mayor have been doing, but also focus on some specific areas, maybe um, some projects that are on the on the docket that we will not speak of that might help some of those traffic issues too, and help pay for some of these these problem areas. Jason, what are your silver bullets for this uh, <laughs> this subject? Uh, silver bullets. I, I wish there was a silver bullet. Uh, I really do, and um, uh, as much as I might uh, might agree with Gabrielle, love our prosperity, and I love uh, you know what we have grown into. Um, I'm not a traffic kind of guy. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't I don't love it personally as I'm trying to get from A to B and B to C and running around town. Um, I, as I was sitting here and as we were talking. I, I love the idea, though, of being able to get out and being able to walk and get to that grocery store and go do those things. And as much as we talk about the residential development, uh, especially in my ward, in Ward 3, we have this great opportunity here on, on South Carruthers where there is going to be development for commercial purposes. And part of that commercial purposes is exactly what you just referenced. It's that opportunity to be able to walk to your grocery store or have that short drive to your grocery store. Those necessities that those residents need need to be in some form or fashion in that area on that side of 65. So that does help to address the traffic piece of things because right now, all of my constituents, or soon to be my constituents, um, they have to go from South Carruthers or uh, have to go across the interstate to get to Berry Farms, to get over to uh, the Kroger or to the Publix near 96 and, uh, and Royal Oaks. So with growth and commercial growth specifically, we will have shorter areas where there'll be that congested traffic. But right now, 96 and 65, that area and those surrounding intersections, it will lessen as these other areas do begin to mature. Okay, uh, along the same line, Jason, you can go ahead and uh, wade into this, but quality of life, I think, is the bottom line we're all looking for. And all this enters into that. Um, what else? 
do we need to be watching carefully uh, to maintain the Franklin quality of life? Are there any other issues that you hope to uh, encourage your other seven uh, colleagues to, uh, to work on? Well, I think that's a great question. When I, when I first think of quality of life, I also think of safety of life. I am very concerned about, because as we just discussed on traffic, what is the response time for our police and fire and emergency first responders to be able to get around town right now? If it's anything that happens between 3.30 and 6.30 in the afternoon and they've got to go down uh, 96 in almost any direction, there's delays there. So when, we, when I look at our future and maintaining and preserving that, I'm also looking at how do we proactively support our police and fire and first responders. Uh, the other part of this is, and it is taking place again on that uh, South Carruthers, is the development of new parks. And I don't know, again, because some things are still uh, under development and seeking approval, but I think that the connectivity that we need here in town is, and the parks and the recreation, but having uh, and grow and continuing to grow that and providing those pockets of opportunity where community really has a pulse, you're able to have that and then also having the connectivity of being able to get from the downtown area all the way to a different park with relative ease and larger sidewalks. So I think those are a couple of things that I see right out of the gate. Okay. Patrick? Uh, I would echo the parks. Uh, you know, we have tremendous park um, resources in our city. Um, Harlandsdale, Pinkerton, the new Southeast Park, continuing to, you know, with the new inclusive program coming, um, LEG's Dream World. Uh, I probably, that may be not voted on. I apologize if I brought that. Is it good? All right, solid. Thank you, Brandy. <laughs> I'm looking at Brandy to make sure. But, um, you know, parks are where my first job was in the Parks and Recreation Department of Decatur, Alabama. Yeah, I've, I've cleaned the bathrooms at the <laughs> softball field, but uh, that's not what quality. That is not quality of life. That 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 aspect of it. But being in the parks and having th activating the parks and making and drawing people to our parks as we grow, parks are where. Um, you know, relationships are built and where, you know, activity happens, where health is. Uh, and so that, that would be a priority. Uh, and and the, the kudos to the current Board of Man Alderman because they've invested heavily in those in those parks that have, and have made our city uh, special. Connectivity, especially, you know, walking, being able to walk, bike, um, do it safely, um, and making sure that our um, we fill the sidewalk gaps in our city. There's a fair number of neighborhoods in Ward 4 that don't have sidewalks. Um, I know that's expensive, and the city's looked at it, and we've got a plan, but um, we've got we've to make sure that we are accessible and walkable community. Um, it'll just improve um, everyone's quality of life. Okay. Gabrielle, you've uh, seen a lot quality of... Quality of life, do we, exactly. Do we feel safe? Do we feel a sense of community? Do we feel a part of... Is there good health care systems as we age or if we have special needs? Is there a value associated with the taxes and the cost of living that equate to living in that particular community? So I think all these things, including the opportunities we have for physical activity, recreational activity, entertainment, shopping, dining, cultural activities, I think it all plays a role in the quality of life and one of the reasons that Franklin has won all the awards. Very good. Ms. Margaret, um, can you give them a letter grade so far? I agree with everything that's been said and I think we can all identify with it. Looking back on your tenure, how long have you, were, have you served as a Franklin Alderman? Well, this this time around, 12 years. I was alderman for two terms in the early 80s. And then I married the planning director, so I had to get off the board. <laughs> and so after I retired from, after we both retired in 2006, my neighbors asked me to run again, so I did. And I, it, it's a job, Dave, that you can't do if you don't love it. 
you have to love it and be very passionate about it. Right. And passionate about serving, because it's not always fun. You don't do it because it's fun. You do it because it's an opportunity to give. Can you look back and see a difference that you actually made in the city of Franklin? Anything specific that uh, you kind of... I don't really look appreciate. at it like that. I, I, wanted to, I want to always improve. Mm -hmm. and, and there are things that I think when Kel first asked me to come this morning, he said, what regrets do you have? And I thought about it, and actually, you know, when you go into a, a job, you, you see things that they didn't teach you in school. And so this is one of those, this is one of those jobs that you just sort of get, get into it and do the best you can. But one of my regrets is that I did not take the opportunities or take advantage of the opportunities I had to be in on a project from the very beginning to the end. Because sometimes when it goes to this committee and this committee and this committee and finally gets to the board, it's sort of like reinventing the wheel. Mm -hmm. If you haven't, if you're not up on all of these discussions that have gone on about the project, you miss out on a lot. And I'm sure I've missed out on a lot. And one thing, and I don't mean to go on like this, but I want to tell these new folks. Mm -hmm. They tell you that the, um, the meetings are, you meet twice a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't tell you about the committee meetings, and they don't tell you about the the neighborhood meetings that you need to be attending to find out what the neighbors think. And sometimes they're three nights a week in addition to your Tuesday and Thursday meetings that start all afternoon. I was in a meeting from 2.30 last night until, gosh, 6.30. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, you know, they don't tell you about all that. So it sounds pretty good. You know, twice a month. You can do that. But the pay, pay is so good. What? The pay is so good. Oh, the pay is wonderful. <laughs> the pay is wonderful. And the thanks that you get is wonderful. <laughs> you know. And I'll, now that I had this microphone, you wish I hadn't given it to me. But Scott, grab it here in a minute. But uh, <laughs> I've, I have not always been so kind. As, as I would like to be. And when somebody said to me in the early 80s now, when is all of this traffic going to get over? When are we going to get through this? And I said, when people like you stop wanting to come to live here. <laughs> you know, that wasn't very nice, but it was the truth. And almost everybody, I've probably been here as long as, I look around the room and I don't see many that have been here as long as I have. And so, <laughs> maybe Chad, if he were older. <laughs> but, uh, you know, everybody's come here, and, and we can't shut the gate, as Gabrielle said. We can't do it. And, and, and I did say in a meeting once, you know, when they said, we don't want these people here, I said, we didn't want you either. <laughs> no, and, and I didn't, but, but I added, but you have come and we have accepted you and you have added to the fabric of this community and we're glad you're here. Scott Speedy. <laughs> can you follow that up? I, I can because uh, a quick story. The first development that I think we voted on when I came to Bowman was about a 45-unit development over between a piece of county property and a city development, Falcon Creek. For about 45 homes between 450,000 and 575,000. We would love to see that come before the board right now. But the city residents said the lots were too big. The county people said the lots were too small. And I've heard Margaret say this too. The easily developable land has already been developed. 
now it's all the now it's all the, the difficult land. So, you know, smart growth is kind of like you know saying you like puppies. And, you know, every, everyone likes that, right? But then you got to got to get to the vote. And there's been a couple developments where I've joked with the developer, like you're coming in here and you're telling us you're going to pave the streets with gold. There's still going to be some people show up with stickers and buttons and matching T-shirts that are mad because you're not making it platinum. <laughs> and uh, you know, people forget too that you know, with the state law that changed, gosh, three, four years ago with the annex annexation laws, does make it a little bit difficult for the city of Franklin to plan sometimes, especially these donut holes that are between city or in the urban growth boundary, but you know, still county property. Um, and so my thoughts on a lot of this has been. Our city staff and our zoning ordinance is very, very stringent. So before it ever gets to some of these committees that Margaret talks about, they have vetted these projects very well. And then you got to ask yourself, do we want those developments being developed in the city where we do get road impact fees, parkland dedication fees, city water, city sewer, curb and gutter, and maybe attainable housing prices? Because if they come in on the county, they're going to be a million plus. And until we fire Matt and Kel back there, they're still bringing jobs here. And Margaret also would love to tell Eric Stuckey to quit getting us on these top 10 lists. Because <laughs> every list we get on, more people keep coming. So um, there are no easy answers. Um, but I do think Emily and her department do a great job. And it's tough sometimes because we don't always vote with staff recommendation every time. And I do think sometimes they're hamstrung by the ordinance and because it doesn't meet check that box maybe they have to say they can't recommend it right so. great uh, great discussion there i will say uh, i want to say publicly that bob martin and i uh, i was on the planning commission for a few years i was on the board of mayor alderman at at one time and bob martin and i had a lot of disagreements but i've got to hand it to bob uh, things have turned out really well and I appreciate his service and, and all your service, uh, Margaret and, and Scott. Emily Wright, you are now the Director of Planning for the City of Franklin. I'm not sure that title is exactly right, but uh, you know, you've got a few more days before these folks can fire you. Uh, have you got anything you'd like to say to them? Yes, I'm over here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I'd just like to say congratulations to the newly elected aldermen and what a pleasure it's been to serve with the outgoing alderman. Um, I definitely am not issuing any letter grades here. That's not, not my responsibility by any means. But I'm, what I'm really happy to hear is the interest and passion there is for planning. Obviously, we have a legacy of great planning in Franklin, and we need to continue that. And I do attribute a lot of that to Bob's leadership early on. Um, and I hope that we can continue that for decades to come. You know, I, you gave me a microphone, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this moment. We have a lot of big efforts that are underway right now or coming up in the next year or two. And the community that's here now or listening in, it's really important for everyone to get involved on the front end of these planning efforts. Right now, the Williamson County Growth Plan is going through an update, and we're starting that process. And as Scott alluded to, annexation laws have made it difficult for the city of Franklin to look at areas to grow and new land to bring into the city. Well, this is the time where we can best plan for how we grow our boundaries. And so talking about that and really looking at it right now and proactively um, addressing it early on is really vitally important. But the key thing is as soon as we get through that effort is it's time to update Envision Franklin. We've had the plan in effect for five years and we've heard great community support for the plan. Sure, it may not address every property just perfectly to everybody's specifications, but we've had a lot of community support for the plan and we're really proud of that. But no plan can sit, sit on a shelf and be implemented in, in its exact form for years and years and years. We need to adapt it with the changes that we're seeing in 
in trends with the desires of the community, with what's impacting them today, and what they see as most important and preserving. So that will be coming up as soon as the Williamson County Growth Plan is updated. We will be going through an effort of doing our um, comprehensive update to Envision Franklin. So just wanted to throw out a couple of tidbits about those efforts, but congratulations to, to you all and thank you again for your service. Thank you, Emily. Appreciate your service as well. Um, we've got another alderman in the in the audience today. Well, Miss Ann, I looked right over you, um, so I'm sorry. No, uh, you're hiding behind a mask, and that's good. Uh, but talking to Jason um, Potts the other night, he he said I talked to Brandy tonight, and she could be really blunt sometimes, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you want to uh, be really blunt and, and respond to any of the uh, what you've heard today? <clears throat> you want me to stand or can Please, I stand? Okay. Um, I was told I wasn't camera ready, but it is what it is. Um, I think they have all done their homework. I think it's a monumental task to learn how to answer everybody's questions about why you're running and act like you know what you're talking about. Um, I think that we are going to have a great board moving forward. I'm in the mourning process right now of losing Margaret and Dana and Scott. Scott has, gosh, Scott just, it's almost like he took a pill and just really catapulted himself into the mix in a very wonderful way. Um, so I'm, I'm proud for Franklin. We had so many people that wanted to step up and serve their community. I'm very thrilled with the outcome. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting moving forward, just everybody kind of gelling together. And, and, you know, we had a meeting last night at CIC, and some of the descriptions were where, of course, we understood it because we drink the Kool-Aid. I'm like, okay, we've got new people. We need maps. We need, we need all these things to be spelled out a little bit clearer so we don't get stuck in the minutiae of people going, well, okay, they just talked about an acronym. I don't even know what they're talking about. And so I think it's going to be good for all of us to kind of go back and make sure that we're all working as a cohesive board moving forward. So. Saying, uh, we've known each other for, I think, 30 years or so. Yes. Uh, and I shouldn't admit this, but your last name is actually just escaping me, and I can't. Peterson. Peterson. Goodness gracious. How embarrassing. But, but I had to, had to admit it. But um, you've, you've been involved for a long time, and uh, you've seen a lot of aldermen come and go. Uh, what do you think? Well, first of all, congratulations to everyone, and I would also say, best wishes and good luck <laughs> because I, I was on the planning commission for, for 20 years before I was elected alderman. It was a whole new education for me, even though I thought I knew a lot. And so it, it uh, but we have been very fortunate. We've had uh, good people who, who have really worked hard and, and tried to do a good thing. And so, as I say, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm delighted that, that we've gotten a good, a good set of people to uh, work again. Great, good. Um, Ann and I often disagreed when we were on the planning commission together, but as the years go by, I discover we have a whole lot more in common than we have disagreements, and uh, appreciate your service too, Ann. <laughs> and thank you for doing this. You're already always well prepared, and I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. Uh, any more questions from our audience that uh, want to? Absolutely. Bob Brown. So I'm not a Franken resident. I'm a Brentwood resident. And I've also told this to the Brentwood people as well. The biggest complaint I hear on election day is how poor the turnout is. Now, we moved in the right direction in Franklin this time, but 12% turnout? It's disappointing to me. Um, if Franklin wanted to move your election to a state election day, you could put it on the opposite of the governor's race and opposite of the county races. So there's 
very little on the ballot in those August primaries every uh, four years. One, you could save about $50,000 because you don't have to pay for that election because the state is already paying for it. So you could save about $50,000 and you could triple your voter turnout. Something to think about. I've asked Brentwood to think about that. Nolensville, Spring Hill, Fairview, Thompson State, they already do that. They piggyback their elections. So they have very little election cost and they have much higher turnouts. So something to think about. Interesting. Uh, we are very short on time, so um, let's 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 revisit that uh, on, at our next opportunity. And uh, I just want to uh, thank everyone here for uh, the input. The um, the new alderman. I, I, I know you're uh, going to be drinking from a fire hose here for a while, and. Um, uh, but I appreciate you giving us a little insight into kind of what your priorities are and what your thoughts are. Uh, that's what we wanted to do this morning, and uh, I really appreciate your time uh, at such an early hour. So the uh, uh, one thing we want to mention this morning, uh, Tom Lawrence asked us to uh, remind everyone that we have a Veterans Day parade in Franklin, and I'm assuming it is on Veterans Day. Does anybody know? November 11th, so uh, I didn't get a chance to confirm that with Tom, and I wanted to, but uh, it's an opportunity for us to honor our veterans uh, really well, and so um, Tom said if you want to be in a parade, he would welcome anyone that wants to participate in the parade, uh, but definitely would like us all to come out and honor our veterans on November 11th. We uh, have a lot of folks we need to thank for this uh, for this opportunity. Is that Janet Smith in the back? Dr. Janet Smith, the president of Columbia State Community College. Uh, I didn't recognize you at first, but uh, we really appreciate you uh, hosting us here. Uh, Dr. Lampley, Mary Beth Challey uh, make us feel special, and uh, they just roll out the red carpet for this effort every month, and we appreciate it. Um, Columbia State, we're very proud of here in Franklin, and you all are doing a great job for, for the community, and we appreciate that. The uh, uh, WCTV crew, I'm going to say it again, Creed Henderson, uh, if you watch the replays of this show, uh, does an excellent job, makes us look really good, and Creed, we appreciate you and your crew for, for that. Uh, WAKM, uh, Tom, we appreciate you getting us out on uh, WAKM every every time and uh and and he uses your comments for news uh in the the news shows uh, uh for for several days after these shows so they're uh they're all so good um appreciate uh lynn maddox and vanderbilt university for the financial contribution that they make to make this happen uh at&t and uh, dennis uh, wagner also are, um, make a financial contribution which we appreciate and then you wouldn't believe how much coordination it takes from the chamber staff to pull all this together. And Matt Largen leads a, a good team there at the chamber. Um, Kel uh, McDowell um, is down on the hill today already um, working on a bill that uh, the chamber has a, a very high interest in. Uh, we've got about a minute, Matt, if you want to say anything about that bill. Um, the uh, but uh, Nancy Conway also helps keep me informed on uh, things like that. But Matt, let's let you get position on it. But but what I will say is I want to thank everybody for making the time to be here, and also recognize everybody who ran for office. We all know how hard it is to run for office these days. Uh, just can't imagine. So. To the people who weren't necessarily victorious this time, thank you for running. It really is a hard thing to put yourself and your family out there. So I just wanted to mention that. And also, to your traffic point, I, I really want to emphasize this. There's a saying in, in our profession in economic development, if you don't have traffic problems, you have an entire set of much worse problems. So thank you for what you said about that. Thanks, Dave.
Thank you, Matt. Appreciate all you do for our county. And uh, we, uh, again, appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and, and being here. Our next show is uh, going to be on December 3rd. We decided not to have it the day after Thanksgiving next month. So uh, we have uh, arranged to have it on December 3rd. Our guest is going to be Ralph Schultz, the CEO of the Nashville Chamber. He gave a fascinating presentation a couple of weeks ago to Franklin Tomorrow, and I was dying to ask questions about that presentation. And so on December 3rd, he will um, update that. There will be some additional information that he will have at that time and look forward to uh, finding out about what they see as uh, the growth of Nashville over the next few years. Thank you very much for being with us. Look forward to having you next time. Mm -hmm.